What's up, guys? Welcome into the checkerboard check-in. Here with Keenan, Sawyer, Murphy. D. Scott's not with us tonight. I'm sure you'll learn more about him as we go along. Uh, new podcast brought out by um, Volunteer Roadshow, presented by Volunteer Roadshow. Plan on doing this every week, Thursdays, uh, close to an hour, maybe possibly on Friday this one time. Going to be pre-recorded, but... We can jump right into it, guys. How you doing tonight? Good, man. Good. Doing good. A few more balls wins, I'd be doing better. But always <laughs> 2020. Am I right? Right. Main thing. Um, got Texas A&M coming up this week. What do you? Who do you got? I mean, I know, I know the we're what we're Thursday night now. Normally the the Tennessee blood that starts on. Friday night, Saturday morning, where I'm convinced that we'll beat the New England Patriots, and then I get a rude awakening on Saturday. But the cup check, <laughs> yeah, 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 the once a week cup check for the last 20 years. It's it's a ritual at this point. But I mean, I don't know. I, it looks like, I mean, it's what I was looking at earlier. Texas A&M. It's pretty obvious the strength of their game is running the football. I mean, they want to run the ball as much as they can. Shockingly, the one thing our defense can defend this year seems to be running the football so as they say something's got to give but what do y'all got uh i had i was one of my main points was just the defense keep us in the game for 40 for 60 minutes uh you know we, we want to see bailey everybody wants to see bailey but if our defense you know doesn't keep us in the game then you know, that, that really doesn't do us much good. Uh, also, I, I had uh, Jalen Hyatt. He, he might be our most explosive athlete. Uh, he's He's got to see the ball more, whether that's getting him uh, touches in, in possession style, a slot, or, or whatever. He, he, he needs to see the ball more. And uh, those are the main things I saw, uh, at least coming up this weekend. And I mean, I, it's it's one thing I wanted to ask y'all too that I've seen like since the beginning of the season that I've been thinking I've seen a few other people. I mean, you know, everybody on the internet has an opinion nowadays, so you're gonna see every opinion by the time it's over with. But I know we can't stop a slant to save our life. I don't know where that came from, just out of the blue. But I wonder, especially starting with the Kentucky game, because I mean, bottom line, there's no way Kentucky should have put up what what was it 34 34 34 yeah. yeah i mean we've seen their offense all year now there's no way that should have happened but it kind of leads me to like do you do you think some of the can the defensive struggles can be attributed to they're just on the field all the time i mean i i know i know it certainly can't help yeah that that definitely doesn't do any good for your defense when your offense can't get anything going right. I mean, that's that's what keeps your defense fresh is when an offense can score. Um, so I think that definitely has played a part in it. But I also think that it's just a lack of execution. I mean, we've got guys out there that, you know, just don't seem to be getting the job done. I mean, when you look there, I remember there was a play against, uh, it was Vanderbilt, I believe. And you've got Bryce Thompson and Henry Toto, two of your best players on defense, and they're right there in the middle, and they're dropping back in the zone. You've got a guy from Vandy running a slant right across the middle, and they're nowhere to be found. You know, they're dropping all the way back with their heads turned around. So I definitely think the offense not being able to get things going is is a big part, but I just think it's it boils down to, to lack of coaching and, and execution, for me at least. I know everybody has their own opinion, like you said, but for me it's it's those two things. And those, think, those scheme issues, I mean, that's that's something that against an Alabama, you, you, you can't you can't necessarily blame it on hey, you know, that that was coaching right there, just because they a team like that has so many athletes that mm -hmm. they can make the best coaches look like morons, really. So yeah, I agree with that. But it's well, like you said, it's the it's the Vandy receivers that when they're finding soft spots in the coverage like that, that's that's concerning in, in a third year Pruitt defensive mastermind genius. Right. That, I guess that, 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 that's the thing is you've got Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Hansley, two of the, the best defensive back coaches, you, you know, people think in, in all of football, not just college football. And 
you have these issues with the athletes that you have. It's just real confusing why you're having these mistakes, you know, week in and week out against teams like Vanderbilt and Arkansas that, you know, aren't exactly your Alabama or Georgia level. So um, I think that that probably you bringing that up is, is probably the, the most confusing thing for me is you've got those two guys that are, you know, that, that's what they have done. Their track record is defensive backs. I mean, how many guys has Pruitt put in the NFL from, from his days in Alabama and Georgia and Florida State? And, and they get here, and it's the complete opposite. So, I don't know. And as much as we don't want to – go ahead, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I know Sawyer had something a minute ago. I just didn't mean to cut him off. No, go ahead, Sawyer. I think uh, going back to, you know, offense can't get anything going and, you know, your defense is on the field all the time. The Tennessee Volunteers right now remind me of the Tennessee Titans from four or five years ago. You know, that staunch defense, but, you know, the well, we don't have a staunch defense, obviously, but, you know, your offense can't get anything going, so your defense is out there all the time. You know, you're trying to score, I don't know, 17, 20 points a game and hoping and praying your defense can hold up. That's not the way you can win games nowadays. Very rarely right. do you. I mean, look at – let's look at Alabama, okay? Used to Alabama would run the ball 40 times a game. They would – hold you to 20 points a game and they I mean they won easily every weekend that's not what they're doing now Nick Saban as much as everybody hates him he's involved with the times I mean he's what 60 something years old did we ever think we'd see the day where Alabama was hanging what 50 a game I mean I didn't we 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 see everybody else getting with the times but it kind of feels like to me that Tennessee's just still stuck here and I don't 2012. You know, we're still trying to – now, don't get me wrong. Running the ball is effective. You know, it can eat up clock, keep your defense off the field. But how many times did we see explosive plays from us? Other teams get explosive plays. We don't get many explosive plays. That And that goes back to – I think a lot of it is who's playing quarterback. That's some of it definitely. Because, I mean, certain people back there, you just don't feel like they can produce that. Well, the last few weeks, it feels like we can produce that. And now it seems like our defense is starting to gain a little momentum. You know, they have a little more confidence. I think a lot of just what your defense does is what your offense is doing, too. They say offense yeah. is your best defense. So, I don't know, man. I think once we start getting with the times, that's when we'll see the whole team start really improving and seeing what, what we've been waiting to see ever since Pruitt got there. I agree. I, you saying going back to playing a older style of, of football, um, it's almost if it's, as if Pruitt's trying to play a 2009 Saban version of, of football. And it's just not going to fly these days. And as much as we love Crouch and Toa Toa and even Banks to some extent, they have trouble covering receivers. They have trouble covering quick tight ends. They have trouble covering receivers. And you got you to mask that. You got to cover up for those deficiencies. Or, you know, you could just get a Terrence Lewis type. That, that covers a lot of, a lot of deficiencies so was, as well. So I was about to say, it would really help if you had a uh, <laughs> South Florida linebacker that's uh, known for his coverage skills, right, Murphy? <laughs> yes, sir. That would that'd be very nice. Absolutely. It's almost like there's one out there for the taking somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you, you would think so. And, and I don't know about you guys, but to see him narrow it down to, to Maryland and Tennessee was pretty shocking to me. Um, I know that for me, at least, I don't know about you guys, but ever since he committed, he was always a guy that I felt like was the one that was going to flip or go another direction. If you pay attention to his social media, he's always, you know, kind of flirting with other schools and stuff. Miami's always been around A&M. And then Auburn comes out of nowhere. And, you know, to most of the national guys that cover recruiting 247 and rivals and, and whatnot, they are saying that Auburn's the, the move. And that kind of surprised me. And then you have Malzahn get fired, which, you know, obviously changes things for him and, and a bunch of other guys that are considering Auburn. So I didn't really know where he was going. Um, thinking, you know, just following what I know about him, you know, on, on social media and stuff, it kind of felt like Miami or A&M was going to be the pick. And then to see Tennessee and Maryland kind of shocked me. It, it almost made me feel like, I don't know if you guys remember Rakeem Jarrett from a couple of years ago where yes. 
Tennessee was in it and then LSU got him, you know, got his commitment. He was committed to them for a little while. And then I think it was during the early signing period, he just flipped to Maryland out of nowhere. If I remember correctly, I believe that's right. It's uh, it's Loxley up in Maryland, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it must be. That's the only thing I can think of is those Alabama recruiting ties uh, that Loxley has, Mm -hmm. but. Uh, yeah, it's, I, mean, I mean, surely he's not going to pick Maryland, right? Surely not. I, would, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't think so. Um, I mean, what I think Keenan had a quote in the article in his article that he wrote. Um, there's a coach on on the staff there that is from South Florida, has ties to South right. Florida, and I mean, that's the one thing that going back. I mean, ever ever since I'm really started watching recruiting which I don't claim to be an expert about any of it, but one one trend that you see, uh, I mean, that's really hard to break is there's two. There's, well, three, really. There's South Florida kids with Miami. I mean, it's hard it's hard to pull a kid from South Florida out of South Florida. I mean, mm-hmm. whether that's Miami, whether they go up to Florida State, possibly Florida, I mean, that's, that's hard. You get those. You get Texas kids with Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, everybody down there and you get California kids with USC and possibly when every seven or eight years when UCLA decides to have a decent season, you, you get that for a couple more years then whenever, whenever Chip Kelly's not asleep on his couch, you'll, you'll get a few, a few recruits that it's hard to pull out of Southern California. That's so that's, I, even when I, I mean, he, even in the beginning process, he in Nebraska was the school that everybody was talking yeah. about. Which yeah. that that surprised me too, because I mean, to go that far, I mean, I know Tennessee's not close for him really from South Florida. But I mean, to go all the way up to Nebraska for that to have happened, I would have thought Scott Frost would have had the program, you know, back to what it was, and when you know when were they saw it, early eighties early 90s, something like that. Yes, not multiple games under 500. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, so that that always shocked me. I Like you said, Auburn, like I said, I don't claim to know it, but, I mean, it it sounds like like he was Auburn-bound until Malzahn was out. I mean – Yeah, that the linebacker coach there had a real strong relationship with him. I think that was the draw. Um, and and Rodney Garner on the defensive line. I mean, he's – He's always been a thorn in Tennessee side recruiting wise. Exactly. Well, we that, have to. So, what'd you have? We we've got Moose. We've got Niedermeyer. Anytime Niedermeyer gets his hands around the kid, I feel I feel I feel like we're gonna get him. So Moose, I just uh, I wish we could move him to recruiting coordinator, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Amen. It's him at linebacker coach. I mean. Like I said, we can stop the run, but the coverage issues that have just arose this year, I mean, they didn't I, – I like Moose, but I hate to say it, they didn't come from nowhere. I mean, that's somewhere. And – Yep. That, that, that's what We know where his expertise too. lies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he doesn't hide it either. I mean, that's, that's what he makes his money on. And – you know, our tight ends were pretty decent when Moose was over the tight ends. Now look at them. Yeah. I mean, Princeton fan caught a touchdown against Vanderbilt, yeah. and we all thought our tight ends had went extinct like the dinosaurs. So, you know. Princeton fan, known tight end, running back, receiver, yeah. all outside linebacker, safety, wherever you need. Good all guy. Swiss Army knife. Right. But yeah, I mean, back to Texas A&M, I – I don't know. I mean, I of course, of course, I always go in. Right now, I mean, I'd probably say, I'd probably say Texas A&M by fourteen to seventeen, maybe. I, I don't, I don't feel as bad about it as the Florida game. Shockingly, I, their offense doesn't. I know they beat Florida, but their offense doesn't scare me nearly as bad as Florida's did. No, especially, especially with their strength being the run. And I mean, I feel like. I feel like we can decently stop that until they pull a play action out or Kellen Mond scrambles around on a play action and hits somebody down the field. And then, then the inevitable uh, Tennessee third quarter struggles, that's they, they rear their head again. 
Uh, it's almost as we can't even get excited about the first half anymore. No, no. It's, you, you know what's coming. I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes you just call it like you see it. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, I would say we'll, we'll treat, tweet the predictions out too. Mine, mine will definitely change because, I mean, we always go all orange across the board on the predictions. We gotta, You got to have one source out there that at least – give somebody something to be hopeful about. You got everybody else that's throwing the realistic picks out. But, I mean, I would probably say right now I'd go 31-14 Texas A&M. So, flip-flop that, and that's probably what I'll have Tennessee winning by this by this weekend. So, take that. Sounds about right. What do, you, what do y'all got? Uh, I, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say a little lower scoring. I'm gonna say a defense shows up to play, and uh, 24-20 A&M. Okay, okay, I like it. 24-20. Uh, I'm gonna say 30 to 23 A&M. I think key for Tennessee's defense is gonna be you got to make Kellamon beat you. You know. It, we take away the run. I don't. I don't necessarily think you sell out for the run because with the struggles that we've had on the defensive side, you're going to put yourself in a hole pretty quickly because Kellen Mond is by no means a, a bad quarterback, but you got to make him beat you. But I, I just don't think Tennessee's got enough. I'm going to go 28-17 A&M. Um, but like you said, DT will probably change that come Saturday morning or so. Absolutely. Uh, get on the Sounds train. Like I'm the biggest so. skeptic right now. <laughs> we got what seven points we haven't included team. game day cocktails into the equation yet so right right right, right. <laughs> that'll always that's that's at least a five-point line change there exactly um that's all i got texas a&m unless you got something else if not uh, we'll well, move on. do you mind if i ask one question to you guys before we move on no go ahead do you do y'all think that uh bailey has earned himself a full 60 minutes or has shroud kept himself in the in the mix i like jt shroud but i i mean at this point if you ask me out of garantano mauer and shroud the most well we we could get into that too because i mean i know that's something that everybody's been talking about i mean you're not going to keep all three of them next year talking about shroud mauer and garantano i mean you i think you'll lose two out of those i would say it would be I would say Garantano and Maurer. I, Shroud, I would, I would like him to stay. I know he's he's a California kid, but I feel like if he was going to transfer, I, I feel like it would have been before this year. Now, mm-hmm. he, he does have some more tape out there, so take that for what it's worth, too. But I I think, I mean, at this point, I you got to play Bailey 60 minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. for, I mean, 100% team, agree. I mean, the team looks like it has a spark when he's in, which they did with Shroud, too. I mean, I think anybody, any type of change would have, would have caused a spark. But, I mean, at this point, yeah, it's – I feel like it's Bailey's team to lose. And, I mean, that's that's for the sake of the team and for recruiting also. I mean, for, with a guy like Caden Salter coming in, you've got Ty Simpson in the 2022 class, I mean – it's you're not doing yourself any favors bringing them in to play a half, go seven for seven like Bailey did this last. I mean, exactly. The the only thing that does by taking him out there is, I mean, you just brought in more questions about decision making when this season has been the biggest question marks decision making. I mean, we've been told for what going on nine weeks now that the best best quarterbacks playing every week and we've seen now that that's obviously not the case i mean it's it's one thing to miss throws to take bad sacks but it's another thing to actively put points on the board for your opponent i mean that's 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 the deciding factor for me i think i mean i don't know how it's not bailey's team to be honest with you, I mean, I got to see him play in high school, you know, on TV, and every throw was literally right in the numbers that I saw. I mean, dude was just – he was throwing darts, okay? And 
you know, it, it's like D. Taylor said. I mean, making bad throw, it, look, everybody misses a throw, everybody takes a sack, whatever. But it just felt like when JG was out there, there was no like we were just stagnant. We kind of knew, oh well, you know, he's out there. We, we don't really have to prayer. Well, now you insert Bailey, and it, I don't know, man. He still, you know, he makes good throws. Now, I mean, he's a freshman. He's missed throws. You know, he doesn't have the timing that he probably should. You know, because of the uh, the screwed up off season. But I mean, there's just it feels like there's a vibe. They kind of play, they kind of play harder for him. Because, I mean, it's kind of like they, they want him to be out there. And uh-huh. we know that all the ball nation wants him to be out there. Because uh, after the Kentucky game, I think pretty much every fan kind of knew that this season was a wash. I mean, we got killed by Kentucky. You know, that, that something should never happen, in my opinion. So, and I think at halftime of the Arkansas game, my opinion, he should have been playing from then on out. And I think we probably got a good chance at beating Arkansas. I think we definitely beat Auburn. Florida might be a little more interesting. Who knows? But, I mean, I don't see how it's not Bailey's team. I, I like Shrout, too. You know, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's looked good. But I just think there's no way you can't play Bailey a whole 60 minutes. And Agreed. plus playing him gives hope for the other young quarterbacks coming in that – they can compete for a spot, you know, because if you, if you got guys coming in at certain positions where they're saying, oh, I'm not going to get to play, I'm not going to go there, you're losing out on recruiting too. Do you think it's yeah, that's something I've wondered about too? Because, I mean, Shroud, I mean, we've heard since he got on campus that he's got a rocket of an arm. I mean, that's, that's all we've heard from J.T. Shroud is that he's arguably had the best arm on the roster for the last, what, three, four years now? I mean, that's – so do you think, you know, he brought, he came in the Kentucky game for one play through the pick, which, I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was a horrible pick. I mean, it no interception is good, but, I mean, that compared to the ones JG displayed for us in the first half, I mean, that's nowhere close. Do you think it's any different if he doesn't throw that pick? Say if, if he comes into the Kentucky game and, I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about lights it up, leads to come back, anything like that, just leads us on a score and drive and looks confident. Do you think that maybe Garantano doesn't see action after that? I don't know. I think, I think that um, it may have changed things for that game in particular. We may have seen Shrout, you know, maybe the rest of the way against Kentucky. Just the way Pruitt was coaching at that point in the season, though, I feel like he still would have trotted out JG the next game. I agree. Um, yeah, uh, you know, despite what we all were seeing, what the fan base was seeing, what the, what his teammates were wanting, um, I think Bailey still would have had to to wait longer because uh, for some reason Pruitt just loves him some JG. So there's dirt yeah, somewhere. I think, Pruitt, I think Pruitt likes JG so much because he's tough. I mean, let's face it, JG for the first what three years of his career here. I mean, he got killed every game. Yeah. We, we couldn't block a soul for him, but he kept getting back up, you know, and I think that's what Pruitt was looking for. But at some point, you know, it, you can be tough, but you can not be a good quarterback, and he was both. So, right. I mean, I think Pruitt finally moved on, which surprised me, honestly. I figured we'd see JG the rest of the year, but I'm glad there was a there was a move made. Yeah. Oh, I mean, least, I, I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Murphy. You're good. I don't know if, if you guys felt like this, but it always felt like, it, you know, early on in the season up until the point when the change was made that anybody not named Jared Garantano had about the shortest leash that you possibly could, could have. One mistake and you were out. One stalled drive and you were out and they were right back to number two. Yeah. Um, so you throw Shroud out there, like you mentioned in the, the Kentucky game there with that, that interception. You know, maybe you send him back out there and see how he responds to to that mistake. You know, does he come out and have a put together a better drive and lead him on a scoring scoring drive, get back in the game a little bit, get the momentum flowing, the energy going, and and get back in the game. You know, but instead you take him out and you know you're sitting where we are today. Um, I was hoping that they would use the Vanderbilt game 
because we've gotten to this point now where they would play both guys because they already said they were going to. I mean, I think everybody knew they were going to play both guys and try to work Maurer in there um, for whatever reason, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, use that game to, to play both game, both guys and see who you have moving forward and go with one, you know, go with Bailey for the full 60 against A&M. And if it's Shroud, go with Shroud. This whole two quarterback thing, to me at least, I just don't think it's going to work. It, it, you know, it'll work against Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt's not a very good football team, let's be honest. Right. But you're playing number five A&M. At least I think they're still number five. They're somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, that's not going to work. You're, you're screwing up the, the chemistry, the momentum, all that stuff. So to answer your question, Keenan, yes, I think Bailey definitely deserves a 60-minute game. I've been wanting it for a while. I think when they had all that time leading up to the Arkansas game, you had ample amount of time to get him ready for that game. And, you know, uh, we all know Pruitt loves Garantano for whatever reason. And, hey, I, I respect him, you know, as much as anybody else. I think he's put in a, a ton of work. He's tough as hell, like you said, Sawyer. But at some point you got to realize there's got to be a change made. And, and there got, has to be a change made now. So I, I think you have to make that that move earlier but the, neither here nor there we're here now so yes bailey definitely moving forward against AM, I think should get the full 60 agreed i mean to start the year it my take on it which it, it may it may not have been a popular take at the time i mean i feel like it probably would have been pretty split but my thing once i saw how this year was going to go which i mean i'm thankful to see football this year because it looked like there for a long time it was going to be pretty long winter with fall winter with nothing on so I mean football at this point I mean while it is rough to watch I'm glad I still do have football to turn on the TV my take with it was though with once I saw how this year was going to be the limited practice the all SEC schedule a little bit I mean this year I mean people are going to look back on it as being a weird year so for me I mean I know there was the talk of Garantano was entering his second year with the same coordinator, which, I mean, there is something to be said for that. He's another year older. But at that point, I feel like I had seen – and like you said, I mean, I have nothing – it's nothing personal against Garantano. Like I said, I mean, he's – the first three years, like you said, he took a beat in every drop back. I mean, he was getting his head knocked off nearly. But I feel like it, if it was me beginning of the year, I, I would have – I don't think I would have started Bailey necessarily just because he did miss out so much time. But, I mean, Shrout, Maurer, and slowly start to integrate Bailey. I mean, this year, if you if you do – if Pruitt did that and had a three-and-seven year, I mean, I wouldn't – I wouldn't really have any complaints with that. I mean, you want to win every game you play, obviously. That's why you play. But to – We've seen Garantano's ceiling. Right. It's been said, I mean, I can live with a freshman making freshman mistakes, but when a fifth-year senior is doing it, even if he has had instability as far as coaching, I mean, that's – instability as far as coaching doesn't lead to throwing a ball right over the middle into triple coverage. I mean, that's that's, that's something that if it hasn't clicked by your fifth year, especially with as many starts as J.G. has under his belt, then you it's not gonna click you have to wonder yeah you have to wonder if it's ever if it's ever gonna click for him i hope it does like i said i mean maybe he maybe he grad transfers somewhere one year uses the free year maybe i mean i i hope i hope he balls out somewhere but uh if it was me i would have went a different direction to start the year probably and just chiano needs a quarterback up there in his hometown he does (laughs) he does the scarlet knights Jesus. Let me ask this, because uh, I've had this opinion about this guy for a little while now. Um, watching the three guys before Bailey getting there, Maurer, Shroud, and, and Garantano, I don't know how you guys feel about Brian Maurer, but to me, he, he just doesn't seem like, at least in my opinion, and again, nothing against the kid personal, but he just doesn't seem like he's got the skill set to be a SEC quarterback, and I don't know, that might be a hot take or something, but just watching him play, I mean, I know he's got the mobility, and, and at times he's made some good throws, but it just doesn't seem like he's got everything that you want out of an SEC quarterback. Like, you look at a, a 
Caden Salter coming in as a true freshman. I think Caden Salter is probably better than than Maurer is right now. That's just my opinion, just from watching some tape. But I, agree. I don't know what you guys feel about about Brian Maurer. I personally think he's out of the quarterbacks you have. I think he's going to be the one guy that I'll pretty much say is going to be gone after this year, just because of lack of opportunity. You've you've had a true freshman hop over you. You had Shrout hop over you. Who he was ahead of Shrout last year. So now he's kind of at the you know bottom down there with JG. So I don't know where you guys stand with Maurer though. I I feel like the best thing Maurer can do is go. I mean I think he could still play Power Five somewhere, mm-hmm. but somewhere like a, uh, like a TCU Memphis or something like that. Yeah, TCU something Kansas. closer to his his home down there in Florida. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, Florida Atlantic, something like that, maybe. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I know coming out of high school, his his stats were insane, but a lot of that is because from watching his film, from hearing people talk about him, it was give him the ball and let him go. I mean, it was kind of he's going to make a play somewhere, and it's hard when when you go from a high school like that where it's you're playing you're playing Madden on rookie mode, essentially. I mean, and then you come up in the SEC and the playbook is heavy enough to crush you and you're going against linebackers that are 240 pounds and run like a spooked deer, then, I mean, that's that that's a different game. You, you can't do that. So somewhere, mm-hmm. I mean, at Texas Tech maybe, I mean, I, some somewhere like that where it's not necessarily Big 12, but somewhere – where defense is nowhere near offense, where they put a premium in all offense, where it's kind of get him the ball and give him easy checks and let let him sling it then. I, I think that's his best his best bet, honestly. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I would say out of all the quarterbacks, I'd say he's probably the – I'd be shocked if he's back next year. Right. I'd be shocked if JG's point. back, honestly. Yeah. I'd go him, him, JG. I mean, one, two. You could put it one A, one B. I mean, I don't, I don't expect to see either one. Shroud, it wouldn't. I think he'll stay, but it, it wouldn't shock me to see him leave. I, but I, I think he'll stick around. I don't know, maybe not, but um, that's all I've got there. The basketballs. How about the basketballs? Three and O, baby. Three. Array of hope. Best that's, defense yeah. in the country. Yeah, I'd find me a better one. Find me anybody that's playing defense like we are right now. I... The one thing I really like about the basketball team, and, I, you know, I heard somebody, I think it was Jimmy Dykes, say it the other night uh, when we were playing App State. I mean, you've got Keon Johnson, who's a projected top five, top ten pick. Springer, he could find his way into the first, second round, you know, get drafted. Um uh, I can't remember which one of them it was, but we had a five-star guy diving after a loose ball while we're up 35 late in the second half. Springer, you know, yeah, dove into the table over there. Yeah, that kind of culture that Barnes has built, one of those like, I don't care who you are, what you were rated, how good you think you are, you're not too good to play hard. I think that's what is attracting guys to Tennessee. And I think kids seeing what Barnes did with Admiral, we did with Grant, Jordan Bohm, Jordan Bowden, Lamonte Turner. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys have seen it, but the before and after pictures of, you know, Grant and Admiral when they got to Tennessee and when they left, they looked like they were straight up sculpted Greek gods when they left Tennessee. Grant was fat when he got here. Barnes would have told you that himself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, fat kid. But and not only that, but Grant went from like a three-star recruit to a first-round NBA draft pick. Two-time because, SEC player of the year, yeah. Two-time, I mean, no, who does that? You know, especially – Playing late minutes in the Eastern Conference Finals for the Celtics. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's – yeah. That, who, is, I, that preaches Barnes knows how to develop players. And, and you know, I, I think it was Victor Bailey was – he. From Oregon, I think the the tournament he was here last year, so that would have been 2018. Was it? I think it was Bailey. Then in the tournament, he said his main reason for transferring here was he saw 
the Oregon team past the Tennessee team coming out of the tunnel and saw just looked like they were a different breed of humans. Like it, they, I mean, what yeah. uh, is it? Mendenwald is that the strength coach's name? I mean, he uh, Mendenwald, yeah, Gavin uh, Mendenwald. Yeah, I mean that's if you're bringing in people, let alone just for how they look on the court and how conditioned they are. I mean, that's the, that's the first thing. I mean, that, that was the thing that got me excited with Pruitt first is he's recruiting offensive linemen that are 360 pounds, like my boy, uh, big goose that signed the other day, already got <laughs> the best last name in college football. You're Marion. <laughs> big huge. What a name. Um, I was going to say uh, Bleacher Report, I think came out with an article today um there it was their mock draft the top 50 players i think they had keon number seven uh obviously you know his athleticism and explosiveness were what what attracted them and what what got him a number seven slot overall um and then i think springer was 18th what was interesting to me they didn't have ponds in the top 50 which I yeah. would take a chance on Pons if I was an NBA GM. I really would just, you know, based off his, his physical tools, one, but just there's no way you don't take a chance on someone that's that athletic yeah. in, in the first place. <laughs> I mean, the main question with him, I feel like, is probably a shot. But, I mean, Mark is smart. Um, oh, yeah. That's one. Tony, Al- Tony Allen, maybe? Yeah, Tony Allen, first team he got to play for the Thunder. Uh, what was his name? Cephalosha? Whatever. Yeah. Couldn't make, a, couldn't make a shot to save his life. But yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's a good point, honestly, because I didn't even I didn't even pay attention. I saw what you were referring to there, but yeah, I didn't even pay attention to that. That's that's odd. That I mean, I know I know how the game is going, and Keenan, you probably know better than I do. I mean, it's it's very offensive driven. That's why it's so exciting to see this Tennessee team. I mean, it's defense 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 but I mean I I, if their reason for not including him is the shot I mean I kind of understand with the way the NBA is going but still I mean that's he's his athleticism top five top ten just based off his athleticism yeah and as a defender I mean second best on the team probably I mean I Keon is that's that was the thing I knew. I mean, I watched him in high school, nine three one represent. But yes, sir. I, I mean, that's that was the thing I knew about him. Like, even in high school, I mean, every every defensive, every time I saw him, every defensive possession was game on the line in his mind. Like, every everything on the defensive end, there there's no slack at all. His his offense is created through his defense. His shot still needs a little bit of work from three. I mean, his mid-range looks looks NBA-ready right now. That, that's been the main thing on his offense. His athleticism, someone compared him to Ja Morant, which I think that's a little much right now for a guy that's played three games in college. But, I mean, mm-hmm. with, with the bounce he shows so far, I mean, that's, I, won't dis, I won't disagree with that. I mean. Hey, I, I – if he's anywhere close to Jaw, then we're in for something special. <laughs> oh yeah, I and Springer. I mean, I even at eighteen. I mean, right. I mean, we got a long season to go. Obviously, I mean, probably at least twenty-five games in a tournament. I mean, I can potentially see right now Springer maybe for another year, but by the end of the year, if he if his offense keeps progressing like it is, I mean, I, I I'd say they're both one and done. Corey Walker, though, I that's what I'm, I'm thinking. Walker's headed towards a red shirt, probably. Really? Okay. That was that was one. I, they they flash the top three rank or the recruiting rankings all the time, and Corey Walker's always right there in it. And I mean, you had a feeling he probably wasn't going to play much this year, but just because it's so hard to get minutes, I mean, guys like Devontae Games or guys that played a lot last year, and now you barely see them. Him, Euros. Mm-hmm. I mean. So it doesn't surprise me, but when you when you when you're bringing back guys that aren't even playing a year and taking a red shirt that are what he was the 80th best player, still a top 100 player in the country, and he's just kind of like, hey, you know, wait your turn right now. I mean, that's a far cry from what five years ago when we were lucky to get a top 250 player. I mean, that's 
<laughs> it's a my, nice my, my favorite coach, Tony Patello on campus, is what he's done with the baseball program. But, I mean, Rick Barnes has – the narrative around him from when he was hired to here has – I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a coach revitalize his career like he's done. I mean, that's – it's it's – it feels odd to say that about a Tennessee team, but it's scary how good that basketball team can be. I mean, that's it's insane. Got Tennessee Tech. What is it tomorrow, Friday night? Friday night, seven p.m. What's the line right now? Like it was eighteen and a half, something like that at one point when I checked. Yeah, I think I saw nineteen. Yeah. Interesting enough, our next three opponents are winless: zero and seven, zero and two, zero and seven. So it's it's it should be a nice tune-up period for us before we get into conference play because I'm pretty sure, um, if not the first, but or the second, it might be the second game we play Quanzo in Missouri, who has a top uh, twenty ranking right now. They knocked off number Oregon, six, Illinois, or like Illinois, Illinois. I'm sorry, Illinois. Yeah. Well, Oregon. I mean, Oregon was solid last year too. I haven't kept up with them as much this year, but. Yeah, last I know year, they, they lost pretty team. He was a lot of what they did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think Mizzou may be the first game, honestly. I don't remember. I think I it is the first game now that you say that. Yeah. Get get Conzo back. Yeah, Missouri is <laughs> their first conference game. December it is. 30th. Okay. Is it at Thompson Bowling? It is in it's at Missouri. That's a good test then. I mean that's a game you go in and – I mean, even if you lose that one, I mean, that's that's still the way they're playing this year. I mean, that looks like that would be – they talk about quality losses when it comes to tournament time, which I don't really have a question that we're going to be a tournament team after seeing three games. I'm more questioning how – We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thinking Elite Eight right now. But, I mean, that's – yeah. I mean, sum it up, it's, it's good to have a team on campus that – you expect to be wowed when you tune in. Absolutely. Well, now get into a little bit more of the SEC talk around the country. I mean, I saw this story break today, and to me it was pretty hilarious. But you've had Sarah Fuller for Vanderbilt. That's – I mean, everybody knows her by now. Kicker, scored, first woman to score in Power 5. I respect what she's done, obviously, but uh, apparently she is transferring from Vanderbilt as a grad transfer to go play soccer in North Texas now. So that was my favorite headline from around the SEC is that Vanderbilt finally gets something that makes them national headline worthy for one time, and two weeks later she's transferring to North Texas. I mean, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, then (laughs) – you don't hate Vanderbilt at the Juwan Jennings level that I do. <laughs> That's my SEC headline. Anybody else got a story? You uh, this week? I think the one that pretty much everybody knows about, Keontae Johnson, you know, from Florida. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before that there was reports that said, you know, he was up and talking to his family, FaceTiming his teammates. And uh, if you didn't see that video – that was that was scary. I mean, here he is just walking on the court, and boom, you know, he goes down. And I can imagine, you know, I coach like sixth graders AAU. I if, as a coach, if that if I saw one of my kids do that, I would flip out. I'd probably pass out because I was so scared. But uh, you know, and it was really good to see, you know, Tennessee fans, fans from all around the country, you know, tweeting whatever, you know, saying pray for pray for Keontae because I mean I think it was a work guy that, you know, he's he's all right right now. And uh you'd hate to see something like that happen to one of your own guys. So just knowing that he's doing better, I think that's probably the best thing I've seen from the SEC this week. Yeah, I, think, I mean you always yeah. have your rivalries, but I mean that it's bigger something than, like that. That's yeah. That takes sports out of the equation, honestly. Especially somebody high caliber is Keontae John. I mean, SEC Player of the Year. I mean, that's 
that that takes a situation like that and puts it at the forefront of every sport then. Mine was just how unprecedented this week of football is. We have conference championships going on at the same time as regular season games. Uh, we have a full slate of football the week after the Army Navy game. It's just it's just odd, and and it it's I love it. I mean, it's nice to have a full slate of football a week before Christmas. Uh, that's not a bowl game, but it's 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 just odd to me. Thanks, twenty twenty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> are we uh, are we giving Florida a chance in that SEC championship game, or are we we all Alabama? Bama. It was a seventeen. Yeah, it's a seventeen right now. I could. Yeah. I mean, I could see it being close for a half, maybe. But mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Devonte Smith. I mean, he might be one of the best receivers since they've had since. I mean, Waddle was good, but uh, Cooper was yeah. good. Yeah, but Leo. yeah, and, and I, I think, think they did. They signed three. I I saw this. It could be wrong. Did they sign three of the top five receivers in this class? I think they did. And the top and the top two offensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, Great. That's, that's what wins do for you, right there, boys. That's what mm-hmm. wins yep. does. That's. Everything else. I think the biggest key needed. What's that? I think the biggest key to Saturday for really the whole game can Florida contain Alabama? You're not going to stop them. I mean, if you can't, if they can't throw on you, well, here you go. Here's Najee Harris. I mean, Derrick Henry Jr., you know. But uh, if Florida's defense can slightly hold up, you know, because they've got a good offense too, but I, I just think I do think Alabama wins by probably two scores or better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that Alabama has done since they've been Alabama too is in, in big games like that, Saban finds a way to take your best weapon out of the game, and then it's going to come down to your second, third, fourth option as far as how are you going to score. And I mean, I know, I know Kyle Pitts is a, a different, a different breed of tight end. More of what what you're going to see here in the future in the next few years. But the Alabama defense doesn't scare me like previous Alabama defenses, where you had Rashawn Evans at linebacker, you had Terrence Cody up on the line, Marlon Humphrey roaming the secondary. But I mean, that's it's still an Alabama defense, and. If as long as Saban's on the sideline, I mean, if he has decent talent, I mean, he's going to take your best target away. I mean, I. It's one of those situations. I I hope both teams play to a zero to zero tie, and the game is uh, delayed by some cause. Wish both teams could lose. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I don't know about you. I mean, this kind of comes down to. A big question among Tennessee fans: Who do you hate the most? I mean, Florida's—I I hate Florida the most. I mean, I, I don't like Alabama or Georgia or Vandy either, but Florida for me is just another notch above. So, and I, I mean, at this point, I'm used to seeing Alabama win. So, I mean, another win from them isn't isn't going to ruin my night really. Seeing seeing a Florida win though, that's. Uh, I couldn't wish worse upon a group of people than Florida fans and Florida. Yes. I mean, it's just, God. Yes. Maybe I'm in, maybe I'm in the wrong. Maybe, maybe y'all hate Alabama, Georgia more, but I mean, at this point, I, I, Alabama's had so much success that I feel like now, if you say you hate Alabama, that most people just, think that you're just trying to hate on success but I mean at, at the same at the same time you may not like Saban but I mean you gotta respect it yeah yeah and nothing with Florida I respect at all so nope that's nothing at all <laughs> Murphy do you have a headline around the SEC anything that stood out um, I think for me, the main thing that, that stands out is, is the Heisman race and kind of where people are seeing that going. You're hearing a lot of 
well, not a lot of different names, but I think three names are kind of being tossed around. You got Kyle Trask, Florida quarterback, who's, you know, had a hell of a season for Florida, throwing a ton of touchdowns. He's got Kyle Pitts to throw to. And then Mac Jones, Alabama quarterback. Obviously, he's got all those weapons um, to, to utilize. And then kind of the wild card, I think, for a little bit, and maybe the favorite now, Devontae Smith, like we talked about. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a better wide receiver than than that kid. He, he just does everything well. Uh, there's not a thing he does bad uh, or, or average. I mean, everything is plus for him, plus speed, plus hands, plus route runner. I mean, he can he can do so many things. So if, if I had a vote, and I know I'm not nearly in a position to, to vote on that type of thing, but he would get my vote for sure. I don't, I don't know where you guys stand. I know it's a, a pretty quarterback-driven award the last, you know, I don't even know how long it's been. Uh, maybe Charles Woodson might have been. Yeah. So, um, but I, I would definitely be voting Devontae Smith for me uh, to win the Heisman. I don't know where you guys stand on that one. I – out of those three, I, I – Trask, I, I don't buy as much into the hype just because – I've seen Trask miss, which I mean, every quarterback's going to miss some throws every now and then. I mean, nobody's perfect, mm-hmm. but if you take Kyle Pitts out of that equation, I, I don't think anybody is talking about Kyle Trask nearly as much. I mean, I, I think he's a good quarterback. I mean, I think as long as Dan Mullen's at Florida, they're, they're going to have, he's going to find a decent quarterback somewhere. I mean, Trask didn't even start in high school, so that's, as long as he's there, they're going to have somebody decent like that. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's amazing to me is no. I was just going to say, uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is rated maybe the highest quarterback that uh, Kuyper's had in the last uh, five, five to ten drafts, something like that. And he's he's getting glossed over at this point. That's I think that just shows you how. Not maybe not glossed over, but the hype that Devontae Smith is warranted, and he's that good in my mind. I really, I agree with y'all. I'd like to see it go to somebody besides the quarterback. It's, I mean, yeah, understandably, I understand why it's a, it's a pretty quarterback heavy award, but yeah, a, for the sake of just kind of keeping it, keeping it interesting. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I don't think anybody, like you said, since the famous Charles Woodson. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, winning it over right here, yeah, <laughs> Big Payton. Uh, yeah, I don't. If there was ever a year for somebody else to win it, like you said, Murphy, I mean, I I think it's probably Devonte Smith. He, even the yeah. numbers that he's put up while Waddle was still healthy. I mean, I know he's missed since the Tennessee game now, but I mean, that was still half the season that he was battling with him for receptions. Isn't it interesting that we're not even talking about the the two guys that are you know may go one and two in the NFL draft and, and Lawrence and yeah. Justin Fields just just yeah. because of what what this season has has you know faced with with everything that's been going on with the pandemic and conferences doing their own thing you know kind of hurting Fields there not being able to play as much and you know even not having that great of a season I, I think if you had asked that question coming into the year before all this started you would have had those two guys right up there at the top of the list and who knows if if Trask would have even been in the conversation. So I think it's, right. it just speaks to how crazy this this 2020 season has been and and uh, just, you know, the, the crazy things that can happen. Yeah. Well, we'll move on. I know Keenan, me and Keenan have a vested interest in the game that's going on right now. I'm watching it in the background here. Chargers, Raiders, Thursday night football. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you followed anything, any Tennessee fan on Twitter here for a while, you've probably seen uh, their 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 picks for the night, their college basketball, 11 p.m., degenerate gambling picks, anything like that. <laughs> right now, I've got my same game parlay. We're giving the picks out to the people. We want everyone to win money. It's free. They print more of it. Words and grit. They, yeah, if you lose money, just print more of it. That's all they do. Hunter Henry with the first touchdown. My $2 parlay, boys. All I need, I had Hunter Henry first touchdown score. He just scored. I need a Darren Waller touchdown and an Austin Eckler touchdown. $2 to $171. Bucks. Jump on it right now. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> so as soon as we hang this up, I'm going to be, I want to be glued to the TV. Any pick you had, Keenan, you wanted to share? Um, I was, I was looking at the Clemson Notre Dame game, but ten and a half is just too much. I, I don't want to touch that. Um, so I'm going for the all important Sun Belt Conference Championship game tomorrow. Coastal Carolina against Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Coastal Carolina is giving three, and I think they'll cover that. So go ahead and book it. Coastal Carolina by at least three. I feel you may have just talked me into it. I feel like I'll ride the wave. I'll ride it. I got six dollars in my account. I'm looking to. I'm looking to spend it. <laughs> but my luck. I mean, they talk about bad beats all the time. I don't know if y'all saw it, but. What game was it the other night? The uh, it was the end of the Browns game. I had the same bad Browns beat. Ravens. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's, yeah. I didn't. This... I didn't bet it. Luckily, luckily, because if if I was on the wrong end of that, I mean, I, I, I was in line for a push, <laughs> and then that safety knocked it over for me. So yeah, that's. I mean, one of the why, and it's it's funny now that I follow enough people on on Twitter now that are into gambling that you see the. Uh, you see a play like that and you immediately check Twitter just because you know that it's it's gonna blow up. Somebody somebody somewhere had that and that just happened to be one of the popular picks that half my timeline had that they lost out on. So <laughs> pray for no bad beats tonight. Like I said, Darren Waller, Austin Eckler, I need you to step up for me. But that's about all I had for the episode. Episode one in the books. If y'all had anything else, anybody? I want to go back to just how crazy 2020's been. All right, so we were supposed to play Oklahoma, what, week two, I think? Yeah, week yeah. Yes. yeah. The 12th, September. Okay. Would we, at that point in the season, would we have beat Oklahoma? Yes. Ooh. Um, after after – uh, that would have been in between uh, our South – Carolina games and the Missouri games would it not have been? Close. Oh man. I week two, week two is when we ran the ball right down Missouri's throat the whole day. Beat them what thirty five to twelve something yes. like that. Mm-hmm. I think at that point in time in the season we would have beat them. I agree with you, sir. Fast forward to now, they probably beat us by 30. But, <laughs> yeah, I think we beat them. The Spencer Rattler hype train, uh, I'm not really a fan of this. I mean, I he, he's I have no problem with players that are cocky because, I mean, that's part of what makes some of them great. But you, you got to back it up, too. And those first two or three weeks, Spencer Rattler struggled mightily. So, it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed seeing that, but yeah. I mean, if there were ties in college football, I would pick the tie. I think that's you don't ever you don't ever root for a tie, but that's. I mean, yeah, we were running it good then, but the slants have been a problem all year, and even with a young quarterback, I mean, especially one that's as highly touted as Spencer Rattler was. I mean. He can complete a slant, so I I could see a win and I could see a loss. I mean, I fifty fifty. Yeah, it's I think 50, the reason 50, I say 50. win is more how Oklahoma was playing than how we were playing. They weren't playing their best ball at the time. They were lost, I think, Kansas yeah. State and uh, somebody else at the time. So I, I think we would have had a, a very good chance at the time. It's. I, I just – I can never pick a game with any confidence anymore. It's it's always a toss-up <laughs> in my mind. That's It's, it's PTTSD, post-traumatic Tennessee stress disorder. Just it's a real it. thing, folks. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. We print the shirts, print the shirts, fill out prescriptions for it. It's it's a real disease, and it's it's gotten at least 90% of our fan base besides the uh, Vol Facebook group that always oh, – boy. Hope springs eternal on there. I would, I would, I would kill to have an ounce of their enthusiasm for everything. So, if they haven't been touched 
touched by it yet, but Fire and Pruitt may be the last straw for some of them. Some of them. Oh, yeah. Well, episode one in the books. Good having you boys on. Like I said, next week, hopefully, D. Scott will be back. Um, that's it. Thanks for checking in, and we'll see y'all next week. <laughs>